Welcome to Spotlight. I'm Adam Lay, news editor at Private Equity International. Today, we're talking recruitment, specifically recruitment in the secondaries world, an area of private markets that's undergoing impressive growth. I recently sat down with two experts from executive search firms to get the lowdown on what's going on in the people side of the secondaries industry. They are Mary Gay Townsend from US-based Norgay Partners and Simon Nixon from UK-based Carpenter Faraday. Last year, the two firms formed a partnership to make cross-Atlantic recruitment easier for their clients. We started off by discussing some of the biggest trends in the market right now. Nixon says that in Europe, there's a huge demand for sell-side advisors due to the growth of the overall market. The problem? There isn't enough of an up-and-coming leadership base to replace the current generation of sell-side leaders. The issue we see is that the leadership of secondary advisory businesses is, is very senior and has been for some time. So these are people who have been in the market for a long time and, and, and drive the relationships with clients through being in the market for a long time. But there's very little in the way of new leadership to take their place at some point in the future when they leave. So finding people who actually can join this market or come into the market and almost succeed those people in the future, that, that's where the challenge lies. Nixon says that he, Townsend and their teams are spending a lot more time trying to be creative and cross-sourcing for potential candidates across geographies or even hiring out of a wider range of industry subsectors. A great example of this is people who move between the buy side and sell side, advisors becoming investment professionals or vice versa. Here's Townsend. Certainly there, there is a flow. I mean, when we're doing searches for both the investing and the advisory side, we'll look at both pools of candidates and we'll reach out to both pools of candidates. And I think one thing that allows that kind of flexibility on the investing side is the way carry is traditionally calculated mm, yeah. in secondaries. I mean, there's usually a longer-term carry payment. And yeah. so the advisory side has been very competitive compensation-wise. So that makes it easier to go over to the advisory side, or, you know, it just depends on someone's, you know, what they're looking to do long-term, I think. Yeah, and, and increasingly, with GP-leds being a bigger part of the market now, and, and specialists outside of the, the, the mega-secondaries funds, there is the ability to hire people who are private equity investors, who are buying, in yep. essence, single assets, mm-hmm. and those people are starting to sort of perhaps take more notice of, of the secondary market as you see single asset deals happening or GP-led restructurings because the skill set applies as well. So it gives us a, a wider pool. It's really just getting people familiar with secondary investing because the legacy of secondary investing really, in most people's view, is, is LP investing, which to some, they sometimes find it a little dry. Okay, so we know that secondaries isn't just limited to private equity. There are opportunities in other asset classes, such as real estate, infrastructure, or even private debt. So what if I'm a real estate firm wanting to build a real estate-focused secondaries team? Am I better off hiring people with secondaries experience or people with real estate experience if I can't find people who have both? According to Townsend, if you can't get both, you're probably better off finding someone with sector-specific skills. You'd really want someone, one person for sure on the team, to have real experience in real estate. But you're going to need someone that comes in that has secondary experience. So that might be the number two or three person that you bring on the team. Sort of similarly with credit. You know, you need someone that knows the core asset really well, and then you need that secondary experience especially for origination and being involved in deals. You know, that the secondaries market is very collaborative, collegial group, so they know each other pretty well. So to have someone that has those relationships 
is certainly going to be important. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it with things like infrastructure. You know, it's a relatively nascent market in the secondary side anyway. It's, it's sort of as, as is real estate following on behind private equity. So, again, it, you know, it's a much, much smaller pool, whereas, you know, and a lot of it is led by specialised, again, fund restructurings. So the, the primary objective is to hire someone with relevant asset experience, and that doesn't essentially need to come from secondaries. In fact, quite the opposite. If they hired somebody, they'd rather have someone with asset experience rather than someone who's a secondaries generalist. That would translate particularly well into that type of asset class as would the same as Mary's already said for real estate or credit but that that of course may change in the future and there are people in certain organizations who sometimes blend and they may do private equity with some real assets as well it just depends on the organization and how they're structured and what their preference is for different asset coverage. So I wanted to get a sense of the dynamics and the state of the market at the moment. Who's hiring? Is it the big firms? The boutiques? The new entrants to the market? What's the state of things? Here's Townsend again. I would say all of the above. All of the above in the secondaries market. Yeah, I think yeah. in the advisory side, there are, are newer entrants who may see secondaries as an addition to a private equity sponsor's business with the way that sponsors are sort of not disposing of assets um, as they might traditionally have done. So there is a sort of a revenue stream to be had there, which you can put alongside a sponsor's group. The downside they have is they don't have a, a place. Some of these firms will not have a placement business, so they don't do fundraising. I mean, essentially, a lot of placement agencies have always done it because it's really just counter-cyclical, you know, whereas a lot of new players will may enter the market simply just to do secondary alongside what they already do. So there's new entrants to the market who are either doing it very proactively or opportunistically. And there's always, you know, there's a greater demand, I think, now in firms who are sort of, you know, growing their fund sizes. And as funds grow, they need more people to be able to deploy capital. And obviously there is a legacy as you get a more senior leadership in businesses who may be exiting over the next four to five years is consideration for who are the next people to take on those roles. And sometimes that's not always immediately obvious but I think as Mary Gay's already pointed out new new asset classes are also leading some organizations to to expand that way rather than just simply just by expanding their existing strategies it's by adding those on and anecdotally we have heard of some larger more traditional fund managers who are looking to add secondaries but it's very difficult sometimes for organizations to do secondaries if you're a direct investor because you are potentially conflicted. One of the most interesting things we discussed was the fact that private equity firms that have been on the receiving end of GP-led processes, in other words, firms that have run GP-led secondaries deals on their own funds, they're starting to cotton on to the idea that secondaries can be a great strategy to have of your own. These firms are actually starting to think about launching their own secondaries buy-side units. Here's Townsend again. Well, I think what happens also is a lot of these larger funds have discovered that the secondaries is a great market for them to utilize. So there are people within those companies that gravitate towards working with the advisory team to sell off parts of their portfolio. As they do that, it sort of allows for an evolution for them to start thinking, is this an industry we should be in? You know, as they gain that expertise and they actually see firsthand how it works and how it benefits them. So I think that's also interesting, you know, as you see more and more GPs get into the secondaries market. And that's also an area where we can tap 
potential candidates, you know, that are familiar sort of firsthand. So, you know, going back to you have to be creative in the secondaries market, where you find the expertise and seniority, you know, depending on what our clients are looking for. The other thing that they are open to doing as well, and I think we've seen that firsthand, is where someone is coming from the hedge fund side and has been doing secondaries, and they can transition over to the private equity side. You know, they're looking at the public markets, but they're still involved in secondaries transactions. So just another sort of area to think about because, you know, maybe they're a little more analytical or they look at things a little more creatively sometimes. So there are firms that might like to tap into that market. So what are some of the biggest questions candidates have? And what about firms, if someone doesn't come from a secondaries background? So we're, we're doing something, a search like this right now, where they're looking for... Banking is the most natural transition. And we find that you really, if the candidate doesn't get it, then there's no conversation to be had. But if you talk to them about the secondaries market, how it relates to what they're doing in banking, and they're excited about that transition, they're looking to make a change... You know, those are the ideal candidates, and they have the core skill set or industry knowledge to make the change. And then the client's really going to want to understand, do they understand the transition? Are they excited about the transition? What are their motivations? You know, if they're just looking for a job, that's not good enough. They really have to do their homework before they walk in for a first round. They have to have spent some time learning about the secondaries and showing some kind of real interest and drive to making that transition. Yeah, I think junior level candidates generally follow a path where if they're in M&A, their best preference, generally speaking, is to be a private equity investor. Um, Always. That means a private equity investor in a leveraged buyout firm or a well-known private equity investor. I'm less versed in direct private equity recruitment in the US, but in, at least in Europe, it's a, it's a sort of it's the holy grail for many people to want to be a, a a private equity investor. I don't think many candidates really truly understand what that really means um, to the extent that you know the actual volume of investments they make is actually quite low. And actually, in secondaries, it's something where that's actually dramatically can be higher. And the ability to to work on a sort of more diverse range of, of investments is significantly greater, no matter which way you position it. However, people do tend to have a prejudice against secondary investing because of what they believe it to be even whilst being educated Mm -hmm. and people tend to self-select we as a search firm are in the market all the time so we are always networking with people who may be interested or will be interested in the future so we build a pipeline of people who do understand this and will be interested in those opportunities which is what we provide for clients. Something surprising I learned during our discussion was that working at a big brand name secondaries firm won't necessarily put you at an advantage in the job market. Someone from a big firm may have worked on a massive deal, but only on a specific part of the transaction. Compare this with someone from a boutique firm who was involved in the transaction from start to finish. Firms are becoming more open about recruiting these types of candidates, says Townsend. They're happy to look at people coming from boutiques, you know, as opposed to, they will actually say, we don't want someone coming from a big firm, you know, because we're not sure of the depth of their experience. You know, a lot of what they're doing is just one layer of investing, and they've got people above them and below them, whether it's risk teams or analysts supporting them. So can they really dive into a deal? Like, how much are they actually in the weeds, rolling up their sleeves, doing all of the diligence and execution. So, you know, really, our job is to understand what it is the client is looking for specifically, what their need is, and who are those candidates that are going to make sense. 
I asked Nixon about what's going on in the GP-led part of the market. He said the old view that secondaries investors transition from fund to funds is becoming outdated due to the required skill sets having evolved so quickly. Historically, there used to be a view that you know a fund to fund investor sometimes moved to be a secondaries investor because you knew the pricing of the fund, and then essentially you could move to be a secondary investor if you were doing LP interests because actually the underlying asset valuations probably wasn't as acute, or the need to do that wasn't as acute. Whereas now, if you're looking at it really at, a, at an asset based level, the ability to do some of the financial analysis and diligence around that business more it comes to the fore, and therefore I guess a banking skill set it becomes increasingly more important. Um, and sometimes that exists either in a bank or in a direct investment fund. And those candidates that have simply just been LP investors, that doesn't always translate neatly into being, say, for example, a, a secondary advisory firm yeah. looking mm-hmm. who does more of its transactions in the GP world. Sometimes they'll say to us, we, can't, we couldn't really hire someone who'd been a fund of funds or LP investor because the ability to really analyse assets and businesses at that level isn't, isn't there. And it's simply not a, it's not a weakness in the candidates, it's just simply that they've come to the market from a different direction. So really understanding the differences between the types of deals is very important because the skill sets that would apply in those. And then there are organisations which will be blended. They will be doing LP and GP work. I was going to say, one is so not, not going always, away. You know, yeah. the LP mm-hmm. investing is not going anywhere. No. GP is just sort of a hot topic now, and it's yeah. an area where... You know, more and more firms are getting involved in and competing in. Yeah, and and advisory firms also, you know, they can use, especially those that are, I guess, they offer a wider range of services, specifically in M&A, and do offer the, the strength of sector coverage, for example. So if there is a business selling maybe a consumer brand or has a consumer brand asset that they want to sort of put into a, outside into a fund restructuring and a single asset restructuring, um, advisors tend to lean very heavily towards their sector teams where they have experience of the asset. They may be involved in that transaction from a buy side or sell side advisory piece and a lot of you know, those organisations have an advantage or I guess a perceived advantage in that sense. So, you know, that and that, that is something which is, you know, ongoing and, and constantly changing. So it as it comes to the four more organisations I think are looking to get involved in the market and try to take some market share from the obvious players. But that that is very challenging because the strength is actually in very there are very few players who, who have a big proportion of the market. I wouldn't be able to say exactly what, but um, it's quite significant in the top three at least. And I'd say on the placement agent side, those firms that have a placement agent and a secondaries are at an advantage in many ways because they have the ability to introduce the secondaries team into GPs. You know, they, they really understand the market. So, and that's what we're also seeing with the financial sponsors teams. You know, so that's why sort of those three businesses, there's a real connectivity. That's all for today. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and PEI's various titles online. For Private Equity International, I'm Adam Lay. Thanks for listening.